Father, we just thank you for the power of vision. We thank you, Lord, that you saw on the cross us. You said in your word that who for the joy that was set before you, that you endured the cross, despising the shame. Thank you, Father, for your tremendous vision for the precious fruit of the earth. Thank you, Lord, for eyes to see and ears to hear what the Holy Spirit would say to us this day. And we give you praise and honor for it in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, or he that keepeth the word, happy is he. Now, a revelation from God gives us both guidance and focus. One thing we know for sure about vision is this. If it is from God, it will always have to do with the rescuing and the perishing. It will have to do with rescuing people out of darkness and bringing them in to the light. But also, vision comes from the Word of God. A God-given vision must be based on the Word of God and it must be given by the Spirit of God. One translation says, where it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. It says this, people run wild, people have no restraint. And so a God-given vision will bring clarity, it will bring unity, and it will literally harness our potential as a family and as a church. I've taken the word vision and I've made an acrostic out of it. The V stands for value. And of course we're talking about the vision of the church. But you can pick up some things in this message that will greatly help you on your path and the things that God is showing you. The things that you see for your future. So V stands for value. Your vision reveals what you value as significant and what you value as important. You know, there's a lot of things we value here at Heart of the Bay. We value worship. We just did that for about 30 minutes. We value family. We have coupled together in Marriage 101. We value reaching the lost and we value prayer because we have the spirit of prayer. We value community, and we could go on and on and on on the things that we value. But there's basically three things that define us here at Heart of the Bay. Number one, we are reaching the lost. How many of you know that reaching the lost is our first priority? Jesus said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He did not come to condemn the sinner, but he came to lift the sinner. He did not come to curse the sinner, but he came to bless the sinner. He did not come to put the sinner down, but to raise the sinner up and make him sit together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so there are a myriad of ways that you and I can reach the lost. Jesus said that the fields are white already to harvest. It's harvest time. And he said that we could pray that the Lord of the harvest 
would send forth labors into his harvest. As you're praying for the church and as you are believing God with us, pray for labors to come in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Pray for harvesting tools. Pray for the resources that are needed to fulfill the things that God has placed in our hearts. I don't know if you've ever heard of Oswald Sanders, but he said this, the church that does not evangelize will fossilize. Paul told young Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and said that you are ambassadors. That is that you are diplomatic ministers of the highest order, which is the Great Commission. We are here on earth. Home is our heaven. We are ambassadors here on earth to tell the world that God loves them unconditionally. And if they'll just call upon him, they can be saved. And I'll tell you what right now, I'll drink to that. We are about healing the hurting. Early this morning I woke up and I just started to see some things about how that we can get healing into the bodies of our people that are hurting in a larger way, in a greater measure. And I will share some of those things with you in weeks to come. But the truth of the matter is, not only do some of our people hurt, but the whole world is hurting. And Jesus said that when the Spirit of God came upon him, that he was anointed to heal hurting people. He was anointed to heal the brokenhearted. He was sent forth to deliver the captives, to open the prison doors, and to cause sight to come to the blind. Somebody say amen. We are about maturing the believer. One thing for sure, when you come to this church, you are going to get the Word of God. But how many of you know, once we catch the fish, we need to clean them? Jesus said in John 15, 3, he says, Now you are clean through the word that I have spoken unto you. The word of God is the pathway to discipleship. He said, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It is the pathway to liberty. There is liberty and freedom that comes into the spirit, the soul, the body of a person when they get serious about getting this word in their heart and speaking it out of their mouth and acting as if it were true. The word of God is your pathway to healing. For he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. The Word of God is the key to answered prayer. In John 15, 7, he said, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. He said, You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. It is a guide to you in a dark place. Psalms 119:105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet, and it is a light unto my path. His word blesses you. His word strengthens you. Paul said, now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. 
God's word is food for your faith. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God's word is essential to spiritual growth. He tells us that we are to desire the sincere milk of the word. And when we desire the sincere milk of the word, we will grow. In Ephesians 6, 17, the Bible says that God's word is a sword of the spirit. It is the offensive weapon that you and I have that Jesus exemplified for us when he was tempted for those 40 days and 40 nights out there in the wilderness. He said, it is written, it is written, and it is also written. God's word is a sharp two-edged sword. When you get it in your heart and you speak it out of your mouth, it is your sword against the onslaughts of the enemy. Oh, come on, somebody help me preach today. God's word will equip you unto every good work. Timothy says this, all scripture, not some scripture, not just the part of scripture that we like, it is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine and it is for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that you might be thoroughly furnished unto every good work. Most importantly, it reveals Jesus to us because he was the word made flesh and he dwelt among us. We need to remember this morning that his word is above the natural. His word is supernatural. God has literally, listen to this, breathed his life into his word. And Jesus said, the words that I speak to you. How many of you know that God has got a word for you? God's got a daily word for you. I believe he's got an hourly word for us. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, these words are spirit and these words are life. And he said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more redundantly. No, thank God that you might have it more abundantly. And so if there's an area in your life that you need to grow in, get into the Word of God and God's Word will grow you and God's Word will enable you to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ and God's Word will enable you to be just like Him. James said this, that if we will continue in the law of liberty, that it will free us. Paul said this, if we continue looking into this supernatural mirror, we will be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you this morning, whatever your issue is, if you will continue to look into the perfect law of liberty... And if you will gaze into it as into a mirror, it will do everything that I've already said. It will heal you. It will guide you. It will strengthen you. It will equip you. It will make you what you ought to be. Hallelujah. Oh, just raise up your hands and say, thank you, Lord, for the word of the living God. It is alive and it is alive in me. We are, in fact, a generational church. 
as you look around this church, you will not just see older and middle-aged and younger, but you will see the very young. I believe that not only are we a multi-generational church, but I know that we are a multicultural church. You did know that multicultural churches in the Bay Area are not all that evident. But we are a multi-generational church. What does that mean? That means Abraham resources Isaac. And Isaac releases Jacob. And Jacob reveres and respects Abraham. That there is a mutual respect for the old and the young. And together they make an explosive team, an explosive combination that will literally shake the foundations of hell and cause many to come into the family of God. Amen. Ooh, and that's just V right there. The next one is investment. I is investment. Jesus said this, where your treasure is, That is where your heart will also be. So what we value, we invest in. There's a store in Southern California that looks much like an Italian uh, coffee shop where you'd go in and get a latte, maybe get a scone or a nice Italian dessert. But much to my friend's surprise, it wasn't an Italian coffee shop. It was a pet shop where they sold gourmet desserts for their pets. And they were encased in glass, just like you'd go to Cheesecake Factory, and you'd see those wonderful-looking goodies in there. And some of the desserts were as expensive as you would get at Cheesecake Factory. Now, why do people do that? I don't know. But I know, I know some of you do. But they're lined up. They're investing in their pets because they value their pets. And if you go online and you just Google inheritances for pets, you will be shocked out of your gourd. There was a German shepherd that inherited, I think, over $300 million from its owner. The Helmsley from New York, an eccentric lady, I think left... 12 or 13 million dollars to her cat. Another person left 12 million dollars to the dog. But you and I, we are investing in the things that are nearest to God's heart. As much as I love the Giants, the A's, the 49ers, the Sharks, and whoever else is in the Bay Area, those are not nearest to God's heart. It is the precious fruit of the earth that is nearest to God's heart. And so we invest in a myriad of ministries every year, and we'll show you what some of those are. We invest in Donnie Moore's ministry, Radical Reality. We invest in the UK in Bible schools and churches. We invest in Dubai in the Middle East. We invest in various ministries because we value the harvest. And I'd quite frankly, I want to be a part of the harvest. Amen? Now, the S stands for speech. Everyone say speech. Now, I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. Notice this with me. He says here, Now I beseech you, brethren... By the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. 
and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now, unity has a lot to do with our speech. Unified speech reveals that we are in sync with one another, and unified speech releases the power of God. In the book of Genesis, it's just an amazing thing. Scripture says that the whole earth at one time was of one language and of one speech. They were literally saying the same thing. And they had a vision. And the people became as one. And the scripture says they had one language. And everything that they begin to do and purpose in their heart to do, he said nothing will be restrained from what they have imagined to do. Think of it. Nothing restrained. These people were heathens. God had to go down and confound their language. Otherwise, the thing that they had in their heart and the thing that they had been believing would have come to pass. Listen, folks, this is God's own testimony. There's power in saying the same thing. In Proverbs 18, verse 21, it says this, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. How important is the words you speak individually? As important as death and life. How important are the words that we speak about our church and over our church? It is as important as death and life. You do know that today another church will close down in the United States of America. There are more churches closing down today than ever, ever before. It is because oftentimes people do not have a vision. And they're not in unity in what they're hearing. And they're not in unity in what they're speaking. I'm glad to say that we have been here 34 years. And by the grace of God, we're planning on being here till the trumpet sounds. But I know one thing, we cannot rest on our laurels. We cannot stop praying. We cannot stop speaking God's word. We cannot stop worshiping. We cannot stop reaching the lost. If we do, we will become a dead social club that will not make it. So as long as I have breath in me, I said as long as I have breath in me, I'm here to stir up the saints. I'll be honest with you. I'm here to fan the flame. I'm here to keep my gift on the inside of me stirred up and to bring people up. And I'm telling you, when we see the same thing and speak the same thing, there will be nothing that will be withheld and nothing that will be restrained from us. Say amen. Amen. If this group in Genesis 11 could have done that, how much more? can a group of Christ followers accomplish? What could we accomplish if we would line our speech up with God's Word and the vision of this house? You see, the words that we speak are seeds. Are your words important? The words that you speak are like seeds coming out of your mouth, falling into the ground. 
And if that seed is cultivated and that seed is watered, it will produce a harvest. No matter what kind of seed it is. You know, many people walk around in life and they're sowing seeds of fatigue and sowing seeds of death. Oh, it's Monday. I'm so tired. I don't know whether I can make it today. That's a seed. Well, you know, it's flu season, and every time the flu comes around, I seem to get the flu, and my whole family seems to get it. That's a seed. Well, you know, I came, I grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. Mama was poor, Daddy was poor, Papa was a rolling stone. They never had anything. I'll never have anything. I'm living below poverty level. That's a seed. Those are, those are not the kind of seeds that you want to be sowing into your life. Here are the kind of seeds that you want to be sowing into your life. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm filled with hope. I'm filled with faith. I am a world overcomer. And no evil befalls me, neither does any plague come nigh my dwelling. Those are the kind of seeds you want to sow every day of your life. Listen, you better be sowing seeds of protection in this day and in this hour. You better be saying, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus over all of my ways. You had better get serious about saying what he said boldly and not backing down. Come on, somebody. Sow the right seeds. And then the I stands for inspiration. Oh, man. When you and I invest in what we value... And we say the same thing enthusiastically. It will literally inspire people. Last Sunday night we had membership. There was a lady in there that testified how she heard about the church. She heard about the church from a lady in our church that's been in our church for years, Mary Kay Cato. And she is so fired up. She is so inspired about this house and so inspired about what's happening in this house that she invited this person to church and re-invited her. And she came, and now she's a committed member. You see, God harnesses our potential through inspiration and vision does just that. Say with me, we are making a difference. You see, the truth of the matter is, is you and I are part of something that is so much bigger than ourselves. I'm inspired. I live for Jesus. I'm inspired. Why is that, Pastor? Because truthfully, God has called us to co-labor with him in the grandest most important enterprise this universe has ever known jesus came to set the captives free the creator humbled himself and died for his creation and quite frankly sacrifice like that is inspiring love like that inspires me action like that inspires me And he's inviting you and he's inviting me to participate with him through our prayers, through our preaching, through our serving, through our witnessing, 
through our loving our community. I got a question for you. Is he worthy of your sacrifice? You know, once you catch the vision of what Christ has done and the incalculable value that God puts on a human soul, it will inspire you to action. How many of you have ever seen Schindler's List? You remember the movie, you know, it's based on a true story by Oscar Schindler. And he saved over a thousand people, mostly Jewish immigrants from the Holocaust, by employing them in his factories. And at the end of the movie, there is a compelling scene that I want to show you in a moment. It's actually quite provocative. Where he's literally surrounded by these Jews he's saved. And suddenly it dawns on him that he realizes the opportunity to help them is gone. And he's grasped with this thought, I didn't do enough. I could have done more. Let's watch this. You know, Jesus said, work while it is yet day. The night cometh where no man will be able to work. We have a short opportunity to give and to share. What do you say we work while it's yet day? The last two letters I've mixed together, O and N, vision, I, and then O-N. And the O-N to me stands for on target, on target. You know, we must be focused. Little focused means little accomplished. There's a million and one things that can be done. But what's the most important? Not the good things, but the God things. Determine what his will is for you and what his plan for you is and invest your life into it. And then lastly, O-N stands for on fire. There's no way that a church can sustain 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years of viable ministry unless not just the staff is on fire, but that the whole church is on fire. We must be passionate. What is passion? It's simply a strong feeling of enthusiasm about something where we're excited to do it. The Scripture tells us we are to never lag in zeal, but we are to be a glow in the Spirit, that we are to be on fire for Him. If there's fire that's missing in your life, today I believe that God is beginning to fan the flame in your life. I rest my case. Vision is a very powerful thing. Amen.